0: light task to uh, to share the Word of God and make sure you're you're doing what God wants you to do so uh, I'm just gonna start out by going to prayer and then we'll we'll get into the lesson here Father God in heaven Lord we we thank you I thank you for Wednesday nights Lord for our prayer meeting time that we can bring our prayers and supplications before you Lord and knowing full well that you will answer those in, in your will and your way and now Lord as uh, I share this message that uh, you've given me, Lord, that it uh, will go forth and, and hopefully be a blessing to, to the folks. And, and again, just thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody's, I, I've noticed that a lot, of, a lot of people come up here, uh, have, a, have a title for their message. Not been one big on titles, so I'm going to try this out and see if it works. But the title of the message is Saints Alive. We'll see if it plays out at the end of the message, if it works all right or not. Um, interesting expressions, kind of like kind of like that, uh, you know, bless his heart type of thing. Saints alive, is, if you've never heard it, it's an exclamation. So somebody's out with a group of people and they see something astonishing or spectacular. and they go, Saints alive, to get everybody's attention to look at this thing. So uh, don't know what hat that has to do with the message, but I thought I'd give you some background into that. Today's Valentine's Day. Don't make much about that. You can do what you want with it, but it, it, it rang... All of these holidays that the world has thrown on our calendar, um, every time one comes along it kind of bothers me a little bit because it's like, why uh, do we need this? Colossians 2.8 tells us, beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Um, So, you know, I I look at that and and so we've got Groundhog Day, we've got Memorial Day, Valentine's Day, all this stuff. Over the centuries, traditions of men have, have crept into our culture and unfortunately crept into our churches as well. And churches have either incorporated these into the church activities or stayed as far away from as possible. It's like there's one extreme or another. Either they're going to be trying to be fully in it to attract audiences and attract people to the church, or they're going to stay away from it to, to make sure that they're, they're no you know, as far from the world as possible. Um, examples are Halloween. What do we got now in churches? Trunk or treat? or harvest festivals, and, and they, those you know, those have come into the church around Halloween. The resurrection of our Savior is celebrated now with Easter egg rolls on the church lawn. I'd go figure, but it does happen. Uh, and then the biggest observance is obviously Christmas with many degrees of celebration of the birth of Christ. Some churches go so far as to have special kids programs with an appearance by Santa Claus. Go figure, but it, it, it's happening. Uh, secular songs and the like, there's, you know, There's nothing in the Bible that tells us when Jesus was born or to remember or to celebrate his birth. But there is something in the Bible that gives us an instruction from Jesus about something we should repeat several times. And I think you might be familiar with it because each time it's mentioned, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Anybody want to guess what that's all about? Lord's Supper, right? So we do have instructions of something that we're supposed to do on a frequent basis in remembrance of him. Now, I know there's some churches, for whatever reason, they only do it once a year, and that's a shame. Um, I really like the way that the pastor has set it up here. We, we don't really announce it ahead of time, per se. We, we kind of know when it's going to happen, but it's, it's not on a set date. There's churches that do it every first Sunday of every month and things like that. Um, we don't want to get our own tradition around that. I, I really like the way it's done here. Uh, gives It really makes it more solemn, more reverent type of type of uh, Lord's Supper and, and so I appreciate that um, and so we you know so I look at that and I say you know do we need to be instructed then you know on on how uh, we're to love one another is dictated to us by the world and Valentine's Day and all that our memory verse even tells us things like you know touching brotherly love you need not that I that I write unto you and then to love one another and indeed you do it towards all the brethren. so if you want to know about love, the Bible is, is is your book to go to. You don't we don't need to go to the world and buy a little a little card that you write somebody's name on and say be my Valentine or give him a little heart candy that says be mine. I mean, what's that all about? So anyway, um, we 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 know we know about love. So here we are today on Saint. That's another thing I left out. When I was a kid growing up, it was Saint Valentine's Day. Apparently, that made Valentine's Day a little too religious, so now it's just Valentine's Day. We'll leave the we'll leave the saints out of it. So fine okay uh, So you know, but the roots to Saint. Valentine actually goes back to the fourth century uh, and I'm going to use the term AD with its origins rooted in the saints of the Catholic Church. Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinius, all of whom were martyred. So so far you know, so how far have we come from when these you know, venerated saints made their mark in history? Do want to do a footnote? I don't know if it's other really bothered you, but when I was in school taking ancient studies and things like that, you had B.C. and you had A.D. Anybody realize they've wiped those out too? Because we can't talk about after the you know after Christ and before Christ. Now it's before Common Era and after Common Era and all that. This world is doing so much to try to get God out of everything. It's just amazing. And something as small as that, just another, just another little check mark of things. We don't, we don't need, you know, too religious to throw it out. So anyway, back to the, back to the point, you know, how far have we come in, you know, since the fourth century? Uh, and just to give you some statistics about, about this holiday that the world is throwing at us, Hallmark estimates that 150 million, 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent each year. That's second only to, only to Christmas. When you There's an organization called the, the Retail Federation that measures consumer spending, and it says consumers spend an estimated $26 billion, with a B, billion dollars on Valentine's last year with an estimate of $25.8 billion this year. And what are they spending the money on? It says 40, 57% of that goes towards candy, 40% towards cards, 39% towards flour, on an evening out, and for those big rollers, 22% on jewelry. Now, we can take care of all that if women would only understand the correct interpretation of Ephesians 5.22, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, and men practice Ephesians 25 that says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If that goes on every single day, it could be Valentine's Day for you. That's simple, right out of the word of God. So what I want to focus on though, are these words that kind of reappear in, in the scriptures over and over again. So if I think about the word saints and other terms mentioned in the scriptures for saved believers in Jesus Christ, uh, it was Sunday, we heard, a, we heard a message about they were first called Christians at Antioch. And one of the things I found interesting about that, the word Christians is only used three times. In the New Testament. It was used when Paul went to witness to Felix and Acts, and, or King Agrippa, excuse me, not King, King Agrippa, and at the end of his witnessing, King, King Agrippa said, you almost persuade me uh, to be a Christian. And then it was also in 1 Peter 4.16, it says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, on this behalf. So back then, the first century AD, Christian was Somewhat of a derogatory term again. It meant it meant the followers of Messiah. It had a couple. It had a couple connotations to being called a Christian, a follower of Christ, but also Christ being the Messiah. It was a derogatory term to the to the Jews that followed Christ because they were not following the law of God. It says, "I want to make sure that these Jews over here are separated from really Judaism because they're they're Christians. They're following the Messiah." Uh, so what I found interesting though. Is today everybody's a Christian? You ask anybody about you know their faith. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, where do you go to church? St. Mary's. Okay. I'm a Christian. Where do you go to church? Kingdom Hall. Okay. I mean, it was just how do we get in 2,000 years from a, 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 a small word that got used three times to be something that is used all over the place and really has no value or no meaning to it at all? When again, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Telling somebody you're a Christian, they had a pretty good idea that you read your Bible, you went to church, and you had a relationship with God. That's no guarantee anymore. It, it, it just isn't. Um, so it it it's really it's really strange that we, we have that just three times in, in scriptures as far as uh, as far as being a being a term. So Unfortunately, you know, as I said, everyone that associates themselves to any kind of a religious practice that acknowledges God and Jesus or Jesus is a Christian nowadays. Um, so I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the word's there, but it, it doesn't seem to really capture our position in Christ. One of the most frequently used terms in both the Old Testament and New Testament is the word brother. You see that a lot. And and it's you have to look at the context because it means a lot of different a lot of different things as, a, as it's used in context, but really what it, it it goes from just a family member or being a part of the family. So, the brothers of, of Jacob, in in Egypt, called all that group their their brethren type of thing. Um, one good thing about that, you know, it, it is it is not gender specific, and I'm glad it's not because then we'd have brethren and sister and then I don't. I don't like the sound of that, so anyway, we, we're not going to go there. Um, but it appears 542 times in Scripture. Um, the Old Testament, the context was actually, uh, again, to signify a family. Um, and, and so if you, if you will, go to Genesis, uh, Genesis 37.5. Yeah, let's, let's look at that real quick, just to give you an example of, of that term the Old Testament, and I may end up just reading off my sheet because I have a brand new Bible. Um, Genesis 37, 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. So that again, the context of that is that's, that's his family, he told it to his brethren. But then if you go to the New Testament over in Acts 13, 26, then it calls out men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. And whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So now that word brethren just incorporates a whole lot more people. It's all of, it's all of Abraham's uh, seed and whoever feareth God and to whom, the, you know, who that word is, is sent. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we can't really say too much about brethren, but we, you know, here nowadays we really talk about the family. That's why I don't, you know, I don't come and before I read the original, how are the brethren doing tonight? That would have worked fine back in maybe the 1800s. It would have been a term that was used, but it's family night now. It's, you know, it's, it's just us folk. And, uh, and so we don't use that term nearly as much as, as has been used in, in, in times past. Um, so the next, uh, but a term that's unique and kind of relevant to our, our topic of, of saints uh, and, and Saint Valentine is the word Saints. And I didn't realize it, but that word Saints appears ninety five times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what it means, whether it's Old or New Testament, has to do with being faithful, godly, holy one, set apart or the most holy thing. And you think, wow, that's you know that's pretty special. Well, in Christian belief, a saint is a person who recognizes having an exceptional degree of holiness, likeness or closeness to God. However, the use of the term saint depends on the context of the denomination. Since we're talking about St. Valentine, which is from, from the Catholic Church, uh, I found out the Catholic Church has got an extensive process to make someone a saint. You just don't get to become a saint too easily. First of all, one of the heavy re- requirements to become a saint is you got to be dead. So. You know, that's, that's a tough one right there. I'm not sure if I'd want to be a saint there because it's, it, it's a little too steep for me. Uh, so, uh, but the other thing is you have to go through veneration, uh, veneration of saints, an act of honoring a saint, a person who has been identified as having a high degree of sanctity or holiness, so they go through veneration. Then they go through canonization, uh, the declaration of a deceased person as an officially recognized saint. And this process can take a long time. And the reason I know that is because you all know Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa didn't die and become a saint overnight. She actually died on September 5, 1997 at the age of 87, but she wasn't canonized until 4th of September, 2016. So again, it's a long road to be a saint in the Catholic in the Catholic Church. Um, so but if we believe the Bible, well, you know, is the word of God, which I do, and hopefully you do as well. Um, and trust that God, you know, provided for our spiritual growth, we see a different application of the word saints. First and foremost, you don't have to be dead to be a saint. I'm thankful for that. So we we can be a saint without, without being dead. Um, the other thing is uh, you don't need to be, you, you do need to be a believer and have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a Savior. So just calling yourself a Christian doesn't necessarily make you a saint. So if, if I, you know, if I mention Saint Sam or you know, uh, St. Pick another one, St. Dave back there in the back, uh, there's something about that word that's a little bit more refined than just say, well, you know, Christians. Uh, They are definitely, uh, have given themselves to Jesus Christ, have accepted his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, and and they can be called a saint. Um, That word saint... Uh, Again, as I said, meant to be set set apart, sanctified, and all that. In the history of the Old Testament religion, the idea of holiness or separateness was inherent in the concept of God. Psalm 106.16 says, They envied Moses, also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. Aaron was the priest that was allowed into the Holy of Holies. So he was called a priest because he was set apart as that one person that could go into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle once a year and, and give offerings and that and, and, and to God. So he was, he was called a saint uh, in, in Psalms there. The idea of the separateness of God and His people is carried forward in the New Testament, which was basically written by Jews except for possibly Luke and Acts, who interpreted God's covenant. Uh, with Israel through the teachings of Christ uh, again when the disciples went out they didn't go out to to the Gentile community it says they went to the Jews first right how do you think they reached the Jews they reached the Jews through the Old Testament that was that to show them Jesus was the Messiah brother Bucher and brother Dylan are dealing with that even today is trying to explain to them I don't know how to tell you this folks but your Messiah came <laughs> Two thousand years ago, you need to get on board. Um, so they were teaching them out of out of the old out of the Old Testament. There, um, those those who were dedicated to the teaching of Christ were frequently called saints by the writers themselves. Six of Paul's letters to the churches are addressed to the saints. In Romans, First, Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, we see that term used over and over and over again. 1 Corinthians 1.2, to the Church of God which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ, saints by calling. 2 Corinthians 1.1, Paul and Apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the Church of God which is at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Colossians 1.2, saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are Colossae. On and on and on again, Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Uh, So. It, it's important, you know. I, I thought about Saint Valentine. I thought, well, you know, saints is Catholic. Let's just throw that term out. I don't want to throw that term out anymore. Uh, it, it, it's very unique in the Bible, and and it means something special. And and to think of ourselves as saints, when I first thought of that, was hard. I'm thinking, I'm no. Ask my wife. I am nowhere close to being a saint as people would think about as people would think about saints, um, but we are. Our lives are. To be separated to set apart from this world we are to be you know not not in this world at, at all to be separated from it to be uh, holy because you know as, as the Lord says, be holy for I am holy so holiness is, is part of our makeup and, it, and it's kind of interesting uh, and I've, I've always found this interesting when I hear it preached on is the fact that that at any point in time God looks at us he sees us as holy because of what His Son, Jesus Christ, did on the cross for us and shed His blood to cover you know, our sins and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when God sees us, He sees us as holy. I look in the mirror, I don't see that. I see somebody that's got some work to do <laughs> to even get close to God. And, and so I, I had a little struggle as I was doing this lesson saying, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near a, you know, near a saint. So uh, it, it took me back a little bit. Um, Ephesians 2.19 says, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Um, God's got a home for us, we're part of his household. Um, Jude, beloved, while I was making every effort to write unto you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. So uh, don't get yourself puffed up, but you'll all be saints if you believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, but at the same time, as we have that distinction of being called saints, we have to be worthy of that distinction as well in our lives and to live our lives uh, in such a way that we would you know, find, uh, we'd be, be pleasing to God in, in the things that we do and our conduct and to act like that, that, like that uh, name. Uh, that's given to the saints throughout scripture uh, would act. Uh, Romans 8:27 says, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, which is another, another lesson for another time on the Holy Spirit, because I, I have such a, uh, a love for God giving us the Holy Spirit uh, to guide and direct us. I mean, I'm so glad he didn't say, "Look, just believe in me." Other than that, you're on your own. Have a good day. I mean, that that would have been devastating. I mean, he the Holy Spirit has got several functions that he fulfills not only in our lives, but to even convict those that aren't saved yet of their sins and bring them to Christ. So, anyway, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thank God that that uh, we we can be recognized uh, amongst the brethren as saints and uh, only if you really know what somebody's lifestyle and background is can they can they really be called Christians anymore and that's unfortunate it would be nice if that meant something uh, but in my in my dealings with people that have used that name it doesn't take me too long to find out okay what brand are you cuz it doesn't match what I'm used to being with as Christians so just be aware of that just uh, i guess from a witnessing you know perspective of Somebody says, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, and then I'm assuming you mean that you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're your Savior. When did that happen? Oh, well, let me think about that, you know? And that's one thing I love about my wife when she witnesses. She, she doesn't let them off the hook, you know? It's like, oh, well, that's great. When did that happen, you know? Because if you just go and accept things, uh, you're, you're probably missing an opportunity for somebody to truly get saved. So anyway, uh, there was a lot there. I uh, think I did okay with the time, a little, little over. Uh, but hopefully that was of some value. I, I enjoyed studying it and working on that, so that's all I have for you tonight. Thank you.